First question we ask everybody who come on the show is uh, when you first made it to the league, who's the first person to bust your ass? <laughs> Dominique. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, man. Ooh. And that was in preseason. <laughs> so you know I was in for a long year. But you got to realize when I came in, you had Dominique, you had Bird, you had Scotty, you had uh, the three spot. You know how it is. Three spot was, was the most dangerous spot. And you had one day you might have a guy post you up. One day you might have a guy coming off picks like Chuck Person. Right. You might have a yeah. guy like Scotty that's doing everything, got you all over the floor. So it was it it was a dangerous position. I think people kind of forget, especially the younger kids at this day, they look at Dominique as oh, he was this crazy human highlight dunker, yeah. but boy, he was a bucket. Yes. <laughs> a real problem. He was yeah. getting forties, fifties, whatever. Posting you up, jumping, you know, he had he had three game, then he had the pull up game, then he had the post up game. <laughs> Yeah, and don't piss him off because you're going to get dunked on. You know, it was just one of those things. <laughs> yo, 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 we live on location. Me and D Miles, as always, we chilling here in Orlando, staying our ass at home, safe in quarantine. And um, we got a very, very special guest. Not a one, two, three, four, five, six, but a seven-time world champion, y'all. And he was Legend. and he was involved in Legend. every last one of them. So he he a real world champ with these rings. We got real legend. We got my man coming to you live on location from Los Angeles, California, y'all. We got big shot Robert Ori in the building. Appreciate you pulling up on us, OG. Man, my pleasure, man. I'm glad to be on the show, man. I even though I had to request to be on the show, man, to get some stuff right. So I'm glad I'm on the show. <laughs> <laughs> right away. Right away. We got it done. So you come right on here and set the record straight, man. It's all love. You was born in, in Maryland, but you grew up in Alabama. Correct, yes. What's, what, how you pronounce that? I don't want to... Andalusia. Andalusia. <laughs> Andalusia. Andalusia. Okay. Andalusia. But if you're from Spain, it's called Andalusia because it's like a, it's a type of horse. And the only reason I know that is because a TV show called Alias I used to watch with Jennifer Gardner. They had an episode where she was in Andalusia and they were talking about the horse. So... Not like I'm, I'm, I'm not oh, that smart. Okay. <laughs> I'm not that smart. You researched all that now. <laughs> so tell us about uh, high school there, like when you came up high school, because you was the player of the year. Like how was it when you first got to the high school your freshman year and had to build your rep? But yeah, coming it, from, from Maryland. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it was because my, my, my dad was in the military. That's the reason I was born. You know, I spent 30 years in the Army. That's why I was born in Maryland. My mom was a school teacher. And she's from Alabama. She went to uh, Alabama A&M and she just, you know, settled back in her hometown of Andal Andalusia. So I went there. It was kind of easy transition for me because my brother is four years older than me. Um, so he oh. kind of just took me under his wing and kind of guided me through it. And it, it was it was a learning process. I, I'm, I'm very, very grateful that coaches I had growing up. You know, I remember my first coach in elementary school. He one day we was playing basketball and I was killing everybody going right, going right. And he was like, you cannot go right anymore. I'm like, why? He says, because a basketball player should be able to go right and left. And I'm like, I don't want to play anymore. Because <laughs> I couldn't go left, right? So I'm like, I'm not doing this. So, and then I had a middle school coach. Uh, he was great. And my high school coach was the best. You know, he was like, he was the one that said, this is, you know, after my brother left, he's like, my sophomore year says, this is your team. 
how you go is how they're going to go. And he put the onus on me to be a leader at a young age and, you know, and, and take responsibility of the team, get them in shape, make sure they're in the gym. So I just had a really good transition. I, I think a, a lot of that had to do with growing up in a small town. And I don't know if this has to do anything, but I, my first three coaches were all black. You know, growing up in Alabama, they, 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 they took you under the wing and treated you as their son. So that made a big yeah. difference. I think a big difference in my, my tutelage in my upbringing that I had black coaches until I got to college. When when did you know in high school that you know you, that you was good enough nationally? Cause you know, you know when you take over the area or you take up, cause I'm from a small yeah. town. When you uh -huh. take over the small town, it's like, yeah, that's cool. But you know, it's Chicago and all these yes. big cities. When did you know nationally that you was good enough to compete with them type I, of guys? I think my, my junior year, I played in this tournament. Um, and this tournament had Chris Jackson, it had, um, uh, God, I can't remember his name. Dave, I can't remember Dave, Dave Johnson that went to Syracuse. Um, and we had, we went in this tournament and we played Dave Johnson's team. And, you know, Dave Johnson's on the bench. And the first team is like beating us by 15. And the coach subs a whole five. You know, you're not used to it. He subs a whole five like it's an AAU team. And Dave right, Johnson's right. team come. I'm like, holy crap. And they, they say, you know, we're down 30. And in five minutes, right? And, and that let me know then that there are people out there, you know, that are good, you know, that you got to up yeah. your game. You got to get back in the lab. You got to work on everything. And, and it, it took some time for me to you really hit home. He said, okay, that's just two guys. Chris Jackson won MVP of that tournament, by the way. He, had, he averaged 42 points a game. <laughs> Mark Moot was crazy. That was a bad man, yes. boy. Woo. Yes. And then, you know, I, I think my, my, my coming out part was going to, going to BC camp and Nike camp. And having all these camps where I got to see these guys that were ranked ahead of me, and and, and I got a chance to you know uh, learn what I need to work on. You know, I, I remember hanging out with Sean Kemp, and you know, and uh, me, Sean Kemp, uh, Allen Houston. Uh, we were just hanging out, and Sean Kemp, and right. he kind of Sean Kemp was the guy that got me to realize to kill the people who are ranked in front of you, or try to kill them. So right. I, said, I remember he was looking at Lonzo Mourning like he's ranked higher than me. He's the number one player. How in the hell is he no more? And the next game, he went out and just roasted Alonzo. <laughs> I mean, he was doing yeah. things that I'm like, God, why is this guy not the number one player in the country? And then, of course, you had Chris Jackson on the side, jaying everybody up too. But the things that Sean could do was amazing. It, and, and for me, I've always been the type of person to look at people around me and try to learn from them. It, it might not be a skill set. It, it might be just a mentality thing, you know. I look at all the guys that play with you in the league. You have to learn from everybody. When they say you have to be a sponge, that's the true meaning. You sponge, you soak up everything you can. Yeah. So when you when you won Player of the Year your senior year, like, how did that make you feel? It was like validation. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. I, this my state right here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I run you know, this. It's, it's it's weird because you have you have a lot of doubters, you know, and you always have people like, oh, he's too skinny. You know, you got this one guy that's playing a tight end, Marcus Webb, that actually went to Alabama. He should be the number one player in the state. You know, you had another guy, uh, Kenny, uh, Kenny, play. he actually played us, but Kenny, he's like, he should be. You had all these doubters. I'm like, you know, everybody was doubting me and saying this about me because I was so skinny. I went to the state tournament and my team got beat by 40. So they were saying Robert Horrible. You know, it took the Orioles Ooh, horrible. Uh, but for oh, me, I said, you know what? I'm the number one player in the state. I I, I can prove it. And I'm going out and not I'm not I could have averaged 40 points a game. I could have, you know, but yeah. I was so intent on getting my guys involved. 
You know, I was, was always a team player. Yeah, I've always been a great team player, and I don't, uh, and that's one thing nobody can ever say you know bad about me that I wasn't a team player. You know, except maybe you know that guy in Phoenix, but I had I had I, <laughs> everybody loved me, and I know I was a great team player because the follow when I left high school, my high school team lost in the high school championship game. The other team hit a shot from half court at the buzzer went. So me, I I got those guys ready. I, I helped them to, make to mature run. and to make that run because I put them in a position mentally and physically to know what to do. You know, I might they might not be able to do it with me, but they learn from me and to go on and be a, a championship quality team. One of the things I used to hate in high school because I was a skinny cat in high school, <laughs> they used to be like I wasn't physical. Yeah, I like, like I wasn't physical, and I felt like I was the most physical person out there. I'm talking so physical to the point I used to throw cheap shots to just show that I was just just yeah. mean and rugged. That, that, <laughs> I was the skinniest that, thing that, out there. You, you have because you got to think about it. growing up in Alabama. A lot of schools in my area they were like, if you played basketball, you had to play football. So those guys were, you know, in, in back in '88 and '92, we right. didn't lift weights. You know, it was like you yeah. lift weight. We had that mentality. If you lift weights, it's gonna throw your shot off. You got to be skinny. Yeah. You got to be fast. You got to be quick. You know, it's all like yeah. basketball is today. And and you would get there. Next thing you know, you have this big tight end that lay a pick on you. You sliding across the floor. And uh, I remember one time I got hit in the ribs. One time, boy, I was like, oh man, I ain't. I, I, I looked around. And everybody was looking at me and see if I was gonna cry. You got to get up. You know, yeah. I came back they down. They sent a man just to beat yeah. you up. Just yeah. to beat you up. They sent <laughs> you know what I did, though? I came back down. I told I told a guy, just give me a pick. I'm just going to try to dunk on him. I came in, I dunked on him. And, and, and like, I looked at him and said, you don't scare me. You know, and that embarrassed him. So he was kind of like, okay, I'm not going to give Office. this dude for real. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. You're you, you, you going to get beat up, but you got to take that challenge and you got to go and show him that, hey, hey I'm going to keep coming. Because if I keep yeah. coming, that means you know you ain't got the best of me. I got the best of you. Straight up. Hey, so 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 let me ask you this: With you being from Alabama and winning the, the 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 you know the player of the year in the state and everything like that, was it heavy heavy pressure for you to go to the state school? Uh, from my mama. <laughs> Cause, cause ah, I, that, well, that's that's the most important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I think with my mom, and I understood where she was coming from. Alabama started recruiting me as sophomore, so did Auburn. But my heart, I wanted to be a rambling wreck at Georgia Tech. I just I just wanted to play for Bobby Crimmins so bad. And I think if they would have recruited me early, early on, that I would have probably went to Georgia Tech because my whole mindset is when you think of Alabama, you don't think basketball, you think straight football. And right. my high school team was a football school. Even though we didn't win a lot, you know, we didn't win any championships, we always got beat. They only cared about football. Even with me there, and us being having a winning record for four years, football was the mainstay. And me saying going to Alabama, I'm like, man, you got Derek Thomas, Cornelius, get it. You know, all these guys, they, Alabama's football is God. I want to go there. I want to go to Georgia Tech, you know, where ACC, yeah. school, ACC school, where all they care about is basketball. The, but yeah. my, mom kept, my mom was like, nope, you're going to Alabama. It's going to be better for you. You're going to stay in state. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And so I guess mom knows best, right? I ended up going to yeah. Alabama and had a great time and enjoyed playing there. Yeah, but you there with Latrell Sprewell. Yes, like, we came like, you get like up junior year. Yeah. Yeah. So you get a chance to play with a young Latrell Sprewell on there. And you had like the success at Alabama. Like what was that 
what was that year that you was like, man, this is this is like I'm enjoying playing with this team, this coach, this environment. We yeah. winning games. What year was that when you felt I, all that was going on? It was my sophomore year. You got my sophomore year. You had Keith Askins, you know, from Miami Heat. David Benoit, okay, Utah Jazz, Keith. Yeah, Benoit. Uh, yeah, Marcus Webb, who played with the um, Celtics, and James Robinson, who played, you know, with Clippers. I don't know if you guys played with Hollywood. Nah, I remember yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we, my sophomore year, you know, we were good, and I, we lost in in the Sweet Sixteen to Loyal Marymount the year Hank gathers that. And I remember we, yeah. the mm. thing that I remember most about that game is we held the game 22-23 at halftime, and then went at halftime. So I let y'all go and we start going up and down and i remember the first time i ever stepped up as as, as a player into a coach's face was like end of the game we were down one and we had the ball uh out of bounds on their end of the court it was like five six seconds ago i told he said all right robert you take the ball i said no i'm not taking the ball out i want the last shot throw the ball to me and so he was like all right well you take it and coach and then melvin cheatham threw it down the court and I missed the shot, the buzzer to, to beat them. But and I wanted to beat them so bad because you know you always want to measure yourself by other players. If we'd have won that game, the next game was Larry Johnson, UNLV running yeah. rebels. We won Ooh, because I wanted to play now. them so bad because you know you even the though they might have beat us, and I'm not saying they would have, but everybody in the country said they would have. But I wanted to match up with them because if you looked at our team. We had Keith Askins, Dave Benoit, a guy named Melvin Cheatham, myself, Marcus Webb. We matched up so perfectly with those guys. You know, I, I, Stacey Alton and I were the same type of player. You know, and, and uh, George Ackle was like um, Benoit. Well, Benoit could have been guarding um, Grandmama, but you wanted that. You wanted that challenge. Yeah. You know, as a player, you want that challenge to see where yeah. you stand and see what you need to work on. So, but we lost. And then the funny thing about that is, when we got home, I saw where they had lost by four, and I'm like, oh, I'm glad that wasn't us. <laughs> <laughs> it killed the next but, team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 what is they, it about y'all yeah. training program that everybody you named got crazy bounce, though? <laughs> or is Man. it that's just what they recruiting? Like, everybody, Jason Caffey came up yes. out of there bouncing. Like, y'all Caffey. got crazy athletes. Yeah. Everybody come up out of there banging that thing. Hey, you, you just if you'd have came and did some of my workouts in college, you'd be like, man, y'all crazy. We had a gay, guy by the name of Rocky Colvin was our strength and conditioning coach. And think about Alabama heat. Think about no trees on the tar, running on the track, jumping boxes. If you look at the front of everybody's legs that went to Alabama, you see scars from jumping boxes, working on our leaping ability. And the thing that we did a lot was like, I don't think anybody else did. We did step ups more than anybody with weight step up, man. I mean, some of the step ups we would do, like what, what teams would do with just regular squats. And he was like, no, we're doing this, we're doing that. And and it kind of started because of me, because I didn't want to do squats. I said, I'm not doing squats. And I said, I'd rather do step ups. And then my vertical went from like 40 to 46. And it was like, oh, crap, everybody doing step ups because it helped Rob. And next thing you know, <laughs> <laughs> everybody was jumping high, running fast. And it was, it, it was, a, it was a good program. We had, we had a lot of success because guys wanted it. You know, they wanted to go out there and train hard. And I think that had a lot to do with Derek McKee because Derek McKee kind of set the precedence when everybody came, you know, they kind of like they saw what he did to get to the league. And he would come back every summer and work out with us. So everybody said, oh, we're going to do what D does because we want to be like, like Derek McKee because he made it to the league. And we just yeah. trained hard. We worked hard. And, and, and that's what a lot of people need. You need that guidance. You need someone 
to show you that need that bar. Be that, yeah. be that standard. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So your your senior year, you just you coming out. You know, you don't got no more years of college. You coming out. <laughs> the process of of the draft. Did you have to work out for a lot of teams? What man? I went to eight teams. Because I remember coming out of college, everybody's like, what is it? Is Because it? I started out as a small forward, then I played power forward, then I played center. You know, it was like, what is it? We don't know what it is, you know. And so I remember I had to go to Miami. I had to go to Denver. I had to go to Indiana. I had to go to Houston. I, it got to a point where my agent had called me and he says, oh, you need to go to um, New York. And I was like, I went to the airport and I got to the airport and it was a last minute thing. I looked at the lady and I, I, it just hit me. I says, just say the flight book. Tell my agent the flight book. She's like, what? She's like, uh, please, I was, I was done, man, because I had been, I forgot I had came to the Lakers. I came to the Clippers. It was back was to back to over. back to back. Yes. And I was all over. And it, it, it wore me out. And I and, and yeah. the crazy part about it is I just knew that Indiana was going to draft me because when I went to go work out for Indiana, we were shooting threes. I had like 63 threes in a row. I was shooting that thing, right? Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. This is where I'm going because the team I wanted to go to was Houston. And, of course, that was the worst workout I had because that was like the fifth team in um, four days. And I was dead tired. I was, wasn't feeling good because you know how you get on those planes back there. So you can get off planes yeah. sick because it is. So I was so tired. And I was so – that's why if you ever go back and look at the draft, I'm over in the corner talking to Doug Chris. I had just came back from the bathroom because I just knew I wasn't getting drafted by Houston. I was yeah. <laughs> if I'd have been like two seconds late, they'd be like, "Where's Robert?" <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> I wanted to go to Houston too. I had a bad workout for them. I wanted to go to them. I was beat up. My knees was like sore and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to go to Houston, but they had a later pick, so I didn't get a chance yeah. to. to oh yeah, you don't want to. Listen, yeah. you yeah. Houston's a you like me place. though, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. You, you like you like me. I went all over the place. He ain't had to go crazy flying like we. You know, he was one of them top five <laughs> yeah. elite guys. He go to dinners and stuff. Like we was not only flying around from team to team. We was literally working out. They trying to have us run suicides oh. and work out against people and do everything. Yes. So we was we was yeah. definitely getting tired. Man, I, I yeah, remember the Denver that. workout was the worst workout. They had the medicine ball where they wanted you to dunk the medicine ball. I think it was like a, a twenty pound, a ten pound. I don't remember what it was. And they was like, well, Clarence Weatherspoon did it 20 times. He has the record. I said, I could give a damn about Clarence Weatherspoon, you know? And Clarence was no clowns. Have you seen him me. and you see me right now, right? You yeah. see the difference. Like, I don't care what Clarence did. I ain't getting, I ain't about to do what yeah. he did either. Yeah, and the altitude. And then I think the, the, the one workout I really enjoyed the most was when I came to Los Angeles and, and the Lakers was like, oh, we work against this. And I was like, hold on, we want you to play one-on-one with someone. And I would say he walks out Magic Johnson. I'm like, you know, growing up a huge Magic Johnson oh, fan. Man. And I'm playing Magic one on. I remember my whole thing was, you know, when you, you this is where you also learn, like, I was so hyped that it messed my game up. I was like this. <laughs> I was, you know, but you, this is your hype, though. You know, I'm going gas before I even did something. <laughs> it was funny. You were too amped to play. And I remember one time he did a little move, and I tried to, I was just wondering, yes, I'm going to block his shot. And I tried to swing at it and swat it so hard that I was like, damn, I almost put my shoulder out of place. I tried to swing. <laughs> and, and the whole time, I think he probably jumped an inch off the ground. He just was just, you oh, know, yeah. just smarter, man. Smarter than you. Yeah. And, and that's what you got to learn. You, it's not just a physical game. It's a mental game. You know, you, you take someone's yeah. aggression and use it against them. 
And that's one of the things I'm trying to tell my son because he's an aggressive type defensive right defender. I'm like, dude, calm down. You don't always pick your points and then, you know, go in for a steal or, or use his body when he thinks you relaxed to knock him off balance. And so that's the learning process. And that's what I learned from Magic Trash. Did, did, did Magic Trash talk you, though? How many young fellas did he hit you with? <laughs> oh, man, the whole time. I had young fellas. You Smiling know. at you, <laughs> laughing. <laughs> you Whoa, young fella. Young, yeah. <laughs> Hey, hey, I didn't call that fade at UCLA before when I was first coming in. <laughs> he called all the fouls. You can't get no fouls on him. I was, I was, I was, he could have knocked me down. I was just so excited to play against him that I didn't even care. I was just, you know, but he was like just schooling you, man. And he sat down and gave me a little conversation. So you got the athletic ability, but you got to learn the game. You know, it's, you can have all the skill sets, but you got to learn it. And you have to learn it. You just can't just play the game. So you, you, you get to Houston and – when you get in Houston, like, this is star power and everybody can hoop. Like, you got yeah. the Dream, you got Mad Max, you got you got hitters everywhere. The jet. Like, how is that to play with, like, just, you know how it is as a player, you come up in high school or you come up in college and everybody is not on the level as you. So yeah. you want people to be on the level as you. Now you on the team where everybody know how to play this game. How does that feel to be on the team with somebody as good as Dream and Man, like, you know, Dream was what another guy that I lost growing up. I even wore his Etonics in high school. You know, you by Slamma Jamma. By Slamma Jamma, man. Nah, I remember those joints. <laughs> I remember them. I, I, I remember uh, we had this place called the Hot Box. I mean, it had no AC. All it had was a fan on top of the building. And it, you, know, you just see the guys and just working on just sweating and and I'm sitting there the first couple of days watching because you know how it is. You, you don't have a contract yet. You're just going to sit and watch and make sure you don't get right, hurt right. because you try to get that paper. And I'm just watching like, damn, I got to get stronger. These guys are, man, hitting each other and look like two big rams, you know, running. You know, it was Dream right. against Moses and you know, God rest his soul. It was like, I was like, wow, this is what the NBA is about. You know, Vernon talking trash, pushing people and, and then Kenny, you know, him doing his little finesse thing, shooting threes, talking trash, everybody. So he could, it was a learning process. And and I was so uh, so excited to get out there. And, and especially, you know, guys like young guy, Alabama drafted, you know, Larry Pick. Who is this guy? Never heard of him before, yeah. you know. The last guy we had was Buck Johnson from Alabama. He wasn't what we wanted. You know, they always compare. If you went to a certain school and the guy before you, yeah. they, they compare to say, we're not the same people. I don't even know Buck. You know, we both went to Alabama, but I don't right. even know him. And so it was a learning process. And I, it took Dream, you know, two years before he trusted me. I should say a year. I, I don't think it was just, just me, but just anybody, because he was yeah. so good that he didn't need, he need anybody, man. Yeah, the things he yeah. could do on the Give block. Give me the rock. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a learning process like everything is. And I learned, I, I, out of all those guys, I, I really appreciate Otis Thorpe because he's the one that took me to the side. He taught me about man. eating right. Exactly. Even like <laughs> yeah. being professional, being on time, and just understanding the, the business side of basketball because that's mm. a whole nother aspect of it. You know, you got the physical, Absolutely. you got the mental, and then you got the business side. Man, old store was chopper than a motherfucker. He's palming it. Was... Dead real. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I tell, tell me what that was like when you got a chance to see, like, on a day to day basis, like, okay, like, like you said, you sitting on the side. Tell me when you got out there and you started being in the practices and, and going through camp and you started to see, like, really legit how good Hakeem was and you started to realize, like, 
yo, this dude is like, how was that to just witness that? Like, because I played with the best. I mean, I, I played with some great guys, D-Way, Steve Nash, and, and, and Dwight was a dominant big when I played. But, like, to play with somebody that's top 50 ever, like, Hakeem, how was that to see on a daily? He was always he, coming up with something new. He wasn't, he wasn't one of these vocal guys. He was one of these guys that kind of just, you know, led by example. He was always, you know, challenging. He was like, come on, you run with me. You got to beat me. I'm like, dude, we're the same height. Why do I have to beat you down the floor? He's because he wanted you to push him and he wanted to push you. And he was just he, always professional coming in, you know, sitting down and, and talking to guys. And uh, I remember my favorite conversation I ever had with him was uh, I, I, we were at a Christmas party. You know how you have to do those team dinners and everything? Yeah, team parties, yeah. And he comes to me and was like, yo, Rook, I want to talk to you. And I'm like, I don't know. This is like December. I'm like, okay, there's no outside. I look like, man, it's cold outside. So, so come on, let's go outside. Let's talk. So we're outside talking. He was asking me, you know, how am I enjoying the league? Uh, am I getting used to Houston? I'm like, yeah, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm good now. He says, so I have to ask you a personal question. I'm like, oh, crap. What is this going to be? He says, do you, do you care if we win or lose? I'm like, dream. I care more about when you will ever know. He says, I says, why are you asking me that? He says, because. You don't show that much emotion. And I looked at him and says, you don't show that much emotion either, so what's your point? <laughs> <laughs> like, how was it to get the rookie Sam Cassell? Yeah, it, it was funny because, man, Sam and I, Sam lived across the street from me. We went to practice together. We, we you know, we, we, we sat on a bus together. You know, Sam and I was just, <laughs> you know, we were, we were just there because it, it was weird because Sam came in and he's like, wow, tell me about Dream. How was it playing? I said, dude, if you got, first of all, talk to Dream and let him know you know the game. If you know the game, then he's going to respect you. He's going to see, okay, he's not just a basketball player. He, he can think the game. His IQ is good. And you have to do that with every player because you have these guys that when it comes down to the game, you know, is your IQ there where I can trust you to read the situation, understand the situation? Because when we played in Houston, it was all about, you know, reading defenses, cutting and slashing. I said, Sam, just, just, just watch and learn. You know, don't get too high. And then next thing you know, Sam was taking over like he was a 20-year vet, you know, and he was doing things like that to get Dream involved. And I know we used to – he and I used to play one-on-one all the time and practice Sam and I. And, and the thing about Sam was he would try to post me up like, dude, I know you got confidence, but really? Come on, man. Hold on. I'm working on something. Hold on. Hold on. I got to do this. I got to work on my face. You know, I can score on you. I'm scoring on anybody. And so he just was just – you know, that's the thing about Sam, his confidence. He had more confidence in his game. And that's what you really need in NBA, you know, outside of talent and everything, is some confidence because if you believe in yourself, you can you can achieve it. And and that's the thing that I had to learn. He learned it quicker than I did. It took me getting traded Detroit and the trade falls through before I really had confidence, you know, one hundred percent confidence in myself. Like I say, with the with the Rockets, like you fed like you stood out so much to me because you did everything. You was like the Pippin, you know what I'm saying? Like how Pippin was uh, to Jordan. It was yeah. like you was, you was, used the key to, it wouldn't have worked if you didn't have that versatility that you yeah. had out there. You was the only player that had it. Cause like, like I say, yeah. Mad Max, he's shooting threes or Sam coming off screens yeah. or Green on that block, but you did everything. You know what I I'm saying? I, that, I just that's why I appreciate man. your game yeah. so much Thank to you. that. I laugh at people because they always talk about, well, you know, he was lucky doing this. I said, you know what? I did what the teams needed me to do. You know, in Houston, you know, even though I, I 
and one thing about me as a basketball player, I was like, I always hate dribbling, dribbling the basketball because it took too much energy. Because if you look at the teams, we always had this thing called Wolf, where they had me going over here trapping. I'm all over the court trapping, and I got to run back to my man. And nobody, and it was like, I used to get so mad in the locker room. My guy have 20 points. And everybody else got to be under the average. I'm like, oh, y'all just why don't the, care about my man. Hey, my man. Why the small <laughs> forward got to be always be the man that double? That's a, small forward that's always a, the man that double. That's, that's what y'all lanky, 6'9", 6, 6, <laughs> fast, versatile. Do y'all free, free safeties? Y'all go all over the place and y'all yeah. do y'all thing. Then yeah, you better hey, get back hey, to your man. The and up to and everything. Help me. Yeah, help me. Now, look like you look at the box score like, oh. Rob, your man killed you. I'm like, yeah, but look at your man. I'm the one that trapped him and got the steals and all this kind of stuff to help you out. But nobody want to help yeah, me out. Real talk. But you know, it was, it was, it was, it was a challenge. And you know, as a basketball player, you love a challenge. You, you trap and be able to get back to your guy. And for you, when you're tall and lanky, you always a double team guy. You know, you oh, you got the double team, so they can't pass out. Yeah, you, 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 yeah, you coming with you stopping the pass. Yeah, and if your four man helps you out, you say, okay, you got to rotate over here to you know, Grandma Ma, Charles yeah. Barkley, all these guys that are strong, and you got to hold your with own. So you can get back to your guys. So it was a challenge. I don't think you know. I hate the, the box three guys are big boys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> nah, it's different now. Hey, but hey, but speaking on that that trade to Detroit, right? Like that's part of the game that you know that. Yeah. that that we don't get to tell our side of it. You know, people, fans yeah. sometimes think, ah, oh, they fan, they, they get in the NBA, they making money, it's all good, no, mm -hmm. no problem. Like, but you had to, you you were literally in a situation where you got traded to a team and then only because the the other player that was being traded for it couldn't pass a physical, you now got to return your team. Just tell me, like, tell everybody, what, what was that experience it's like? Because I've been traded, but I've yeah. never – had to go back in the <laughs> trade, not go through, and then I got to go back and look at these people in the face, yeah. knowing they try to ship me off. I think that kind of messed me up as far as getting to know upper management because I was really good friends with the coach because I was his first traffic, Rudy T. I got to know the management. I got to know these because, you know, back then it was a smaller unit. I think they only had like 13 or 14 people in upper management. You know, now it's like an army of people. So, you got to know everybody. When you get traded, it's almost like a, a stab in the back or stab in the heart, however you want to say it. And for yeah. me to go someplace like Detroit, you know, where they were at the bottom of the barrel, you know, they were still, you know, they still had the old school Isaiah and Joe Dumars. They weren't, they weren't going nowhere. And I knew in Houston yeah. we had the potential to do stuff because we had just went to the Western Conference well, Finals, you know. So I'm there and I'm like, oh, I don't want to be here. I, I don't want to be in the cold weather. I'm a Southern boy. I don't want to be in the cold. And Ooh, then Detroit Rock City yeah, cold too. Yeah. And when the trade fell through and Sean didn't pass his physical, I didn't care about that because all I cared was about it was getting back to Houston, getting back to my family and getting back to being a basketball player because I was the type of player that I was so intent on trying to make Vernon better, Kenny better, Otis better, Dream better, that I was, wasn't looking out for myself. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's why they traded me because my – reluctance to shoot the ball. I was so reluctant to shoot the ball because I was just trying to get everybody else involved. And when I came back, them joints, you know, after two games, Rudy had to pull me to the side and say, yo, man, stop shooting so much. I was like, all right, y'all ain't going to trade you again when I shoot. Y'all going to trade me this time. Right, right. Too much. If that's the problem. Yeah. I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was, it was a learning process. I learned and it made me, uh, it made me understand it's a business, number one. It is a business regardless. And there's no loyalty in sports. And I don't care what anybody would ever say 
there is no loyalty in sports. You have to watch out for yourself. You know, I, I should say there's some people that are loyal. You know, you know, the Lakers are loyal to Kobe Bryant, you know, and there's a lot of teams that are loyal to, to players. It's a case-by-case case situation. Yeah, exactly, because I, I always look at if you're going to let Derek Jeter walk out of the New, York Yan- the New York Yankees position, that lets you know this is the one that the franchise, the face of this franchise, and it was about to let him walk. So it lets you know you have to be careful. And I'm not saying every organization is like that, but a lot of them are. So you have to be yeah. mindful of your teammates and yourself and, and, and know what's best for you. So that kind of stopped me from like getting no manager because this way, if I got traded again, but oh well, you know, I'm just going on and doing my thing and trying to, you know, make the next team better. Now, you, that's a great, great perspective because like I, I, when, I look at how when I got traded from Phoenix, right, we went from mm-hmm. we went 62 and 20 that year. Then after the season, I'm thinking we about to go to the summer and get ready. And it was like, boom. Blindside, all of us, me, Sean, yeah. Mari, Joe, none of us knew what was going on. I got traded. I'm like, and I'm 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 hot. I'm not gonna hold you. I'm not gonna front or nothing. I had to build a crazy seven million dollar crib. It's just about to be completed in like within the month. They did that. They pulled the 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 the, the carpet from under me. I'm floored, like what? And then so now when everything is going through, I'm trading New York, so now they getting my my medical work. I hadn't had surgery on my um on my back. No, I hadn't had actually. I hadn't had surgery yet, but I had a um, I had some type of uh insurance clause because I had I had a herniated disc like the the year before, and then when I signed with Phoenix, they had like a whole insurance policy and all of this different stuff that they didn't that New York didn't know about. Mm-hmm. So when everything went right before everything went through, they seen this thing. Now I'm in Chicago. I had to fly to New York, to Phoenix, take MRIs and do stuff on both calls. I could have, I could have foiled the whole thing, like how you said it didn't the medical. I could have just if like my agent told you like, look, you don't have to do nothing. He was like, you could, you could sit down and say whatever, and you could have to take make them take you back. But I'm, I'm scrappy dude. I'm hot. Like nah, I'm not going back somewhere. They want me. They don't. Want, they traded me. I'm about yeah. to do, and I'm mad. I had to fly coast to coast, bro. Phoenix to New York, long, stupid, dumb flights. Then go back home. But I was dead upset that I did it. But that speaks to like what you yeah. said. And we had a great team. And none of us, you know, everybody was upset about it. It was just what they thought they needed to do. They, you know, they, the, the chatter was we can't win it small. They went and got traded me for Kurt Thomas. You know, I was just like, well, I was hot. I ain't going to lie to you. That just made yeah. me think about that. You know, it's, I think people think because you're making so much money that you don't have feelings. You have feelings for the city. You have feelings for your teammates. And, and it's like. And when you have kids, you forget now you got to uproot yeah. your family and move to a, another place because, you know, basketball season, it starts like right before, you know, right after school. school. So you got to get your kids in school. You got to do all this yeah. stuff. Bow to their friends, oh, bow to their best friends, any of that. Yeah. So it's, people don't understand. It's not, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a sacrifice that you make jumping from city to city. You don't want to do that because you don't want to uproot your kids. You already, like, same thing with you. I was building a home in Houston, too. Right when I got traded from Houston to Phoenix, so I, I think that hurt me more so than the trailer. <laughs> I think it took me a longer time to get over the actual house, <laughs> bruh. I'm gonna leave it alone before I get my feelings on here again. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get caught up in your feelings, but and I think I, I, I think people don't understand. That lets you know a lot of guys they they care. You know, they care about where they are. They care about you know. And then you have to say, okay, am I being traded because the team don't want me or this other team really wants me? And so I've yep. always said to myself, if I get traded, it's not because they don't want me that the other team really wants me. I told myself that. So I wouldn't be like, yeah, it ain't because they want me. Somebody else really wants me. They want me more. So what they're giving up, you know, so. 
Yeah. That was what my agent kept telling me because he knew how tough I was. That was his. That was his. That was his battle cry to me. Like, listen, listen. Hey, we, so, hey, we can tell ourselves that loud we want, huh? <laughs> so, so you in this this super trade? Like this this was gonna be a super team when they trade you for Barkley to bring yeah. Barkley over here with Elijah and Drexler to see if they can make another push at a championship. How was that like uh, getting traded away from a potential team that's going to be a championship contender and go to Phoenix? Yeah, for me, we had we had you know went to the Western Conference Final, won a championship, won a championship, and then lost because we didn't really have a good team. You know, we didn't have the parts. I feel like if they'd have just added, if yeah, I go back and look at that team because they lost in the Western Conference Finals to Utah. And I said, if they would have added all those pieces and left Sam and I on that team and not Barkley, we could have went back to the finals because Sam and I brought something different to that team. And then they yeah. got they got some guys, you know, they got old really quick. And sometimes yeah, you need right. a little youth to spark you. And I, I, that that kind of, I said, okay, I was happy they lost because I didn't want them to win a championship without her. <laughs> uh, and, and, then going to a, and then going to Phoenix, where there was a lot of animosity between the Rockets and the Phoenix from the playoffs. You know, from the, yeah. the, the, the you know, being down. The kiss. You know, from the yeah, kiss from Mario Early. <laughs> yeah. And, this, and people don't understand. Everybody thinks about the kiss, but there's a long story that leads up to that kiss. And, and that's, that, that was the playoffs that, you know, Danny Ainge, hit Mario in the face with the ball. And people don't understand, Danny Ainge was a pitcher. And you can't tell right. me that Charles Barkley standing five feet away that he didn't do that on purpose. And then when I got to Phoenix, yeah. the first thing out of his mouth was, yeah, I hit Mario on purpose with the ball. And I'm like, Mario's my boy, man. And I'm already, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm already not liking you. Now you tell me this, that just adds to it, you know. And, he stamped yeah. it. He yeah. stamped it. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and people don't understand that. You develop relationships with people and you're going to tell me, this. I, I don't have a relationship with you yet. Now you're going to tell yeah. me you did my boy like this on purpose. And, and it, it's weird. If you go back, you know, that happened and we want, they beat us two games. Then we won game, the game three in their place. And he hits Mario in the face with the ball. If you go back and look at um, game uh, four of that series, and, and you if you sat there and watched, you can see that we're not even trying to win that game. We're just trying to lay Danny Ainge out. Every move we get, we're like hitting Damn. him every move he got. You should see yeah. some of the screens. And like, and like <laughs> we were, it was weird, man, because I mean, I went up for a shot. And he went up and I slammed into the floor like this. He jumps up <laughs> and everybody swarmed around him. His teammates kind of backed off, like, no, dude, you started this. We ain't getting that. And and yeah. that was one of the things that kind of led up to when I got the Phoenix for me not wanting to be there. And it's and I I could sit here and talk about so many things about you know getting the Phoenix that kind of set me off. You know, and and, yeah. it, and it, I look back now and I shouldn't I should have never handled it that way, but to me, yeah. it got me to a place. We all do things like <laughs> yeah. that. We got, got those times in our careers and lives. Yeah. And we all done did it. We only yeah. human. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, when you when you have that animosity towards someone, and uh, Kai Fitzgerald was a coach when I got to Phoenix, and he was great. You know, he was trying to run the triangle. And and where me and Danny Ainge really got into a situation, I remember we were playing the Bulls, and we trying to run the triangle and playing the Bulls in Chicago. We got beat by 50, right? And so we in practice the next day, and we're like, "Well, we didn't do this in the triangle." We do, and I, I did, I did the, the Dennis Rodman. I kind of raised my hand and like, "Yes." Yeah, I says, 
you know, I'm not trying to say anything, but we always talking about an offense. What about our defense? We got beat by 50. And this is where Danny Ainge lost me. He stood up and was like, defense? You're the worst defensive player on our team. And I got up and did this. Wait one MF minute. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Wesley Persons is on this team. And I love this guy to death. Uh, Wayne Magistro is on his team. Danny Manning <laughs> is on his team. And you're going to call me out and say, I'm the worst defender on this team? I said, dude, I'm a 100-100 guy. 100 blocks, 100 steals. Don't you ever say, I'm the best defender player on this team, right? And I go at him like that. And then two days later, Cotton quits. He was in, you know, Danny takes over. And it was downhill from there. You know, Danny's first game taking over was our game back in Houston. And, of course, you want a little. You want the fans to give you a little love. And I had been starting. So my first game back to Houston, I don't start. <laughs> so there is more, more animosity building up and building up and building up. You know, I think I, I don't even – I think I played like five minutes that game. You know, I wanted to feel that love back in Houston because every player does. You know, I want, a cha- I want two championships there. I want to feel that love. He put Sam in. Sam got his love. I want my love, right? And after I could just after that game, I was just on fire and I'm on fire. Then, then he traded away Sam, my boy. He traded away Michael Finley, my boy. He traded away Mark Bryant, my boy. Uh, and so it just it was bad. For last me, of man. the Mohicans, man. You <laughs> yeah. last of the Mohicans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know when your boys go, they kind of contain you. So yeah, so, they so, gotta so talk tips. to you. Yeah. So tell me your side of what happened <laughs> that that day in that game. Uh, you know, because Rex admitted it to to Rex credit. Yeah. He was like, "Man, it's so long." He was like, "I yeah. don't know." He was like, "Tell." He said, "Let let let Robert tell tell yeah. how it was." <laughs> so it, it was it was we were playing in Boston in Boston. We had just traded away those guys, and Danny comes to me and says, "Hey, I traded away those guys to give you more minutes." I'm like, "Okay, cool." You know, even though I didn't want you know trade away Michael, AC, and these guys, so I'm out there. We playing. You know, I just hit a three. I got a steal. I got a block. I'm rolling, right? Feeling pretty good. First three minutes of the game, then I hear the, you know, the buzzer. I don't even look back because I know it ain't for me. Then Danny Manning comes in like, oh, I'm coming to get you. I'm like, what? I said, I'm rolling. No, I'm coming to get you. And then I'm on my way back. And I walk, I walk by Danny and I said, man, that's effed up, man. He made said, come sit your ass down. And I, and I got down to the end of the bench and I'm like, did he say what? And then I walked back and sat next to him. I said, what did you just say to me? He said, I said, go sit your ass, man. Some things I don't want to say. And I said, F you and threw the towel in his face and walked back to the end of the bench. And so, and if it weren't for Paul Silas, you know, I love Paul Silas. I don't know if you ever played for him, but Paul Silas is a great guy. So we get back in the locker room and uh, he's sitting next to me. Calm down, calm down, fella, calm down. And then uh uh what's the big joe joe i can't remember joe's last the big head joe i just called him that he got we don't do that kind of shit around here i said first of all you pee mother i'll go off right i said you ain't got i said you all soft that's why we used to beat your ass when i was in houston y'all all soft you don't want to <laughs> practice you know you're going around here thinking the game is easy i said help y'all and then daniel's like what i said man come on over then pause calm down you know in boston that locker room they had another room Another room, yeah, so Paul room, took yeah. me in the other room, and because I remember it was me, Chucky Brown, and Mark Bryant, I, I think the three of us was going to fight that whole team, you know, because they were taking <laughs> Danny Ainge's side, which they should have because that's coach, and they all had been there and played with Danny a long time. We three had no relation. We three hated Danny Ainge from the series of playing with him, so they took me to the side, you know, and I calmed down. 
you know, they said that I got a call from Colangelo said, we're going to suspend you for two games. I'm like, that's fine with me. I said, and then I was so happy because the rumor was they was going to release me. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to go back to Houston. Right. You know, cause you know, you get released. They, uh, I can go back to Houston. Yeah, yeah, Houston. Saying, yeah. But thank God, Sandra Sabas went on a little sabbatical <laughs> to Lake Havasu and the Lakers like, oh, we can't have you doing this. And they made that trade, you know, and, Danny Ainge was like, it, and people don't understand, you have you have emotions. And if you go back and you see the emotions that start up from point A to point B, there was there was a, a lot of fire and lava that was starting to blow for this volcano erupt. And he was just like pushing my buttons one by one by one. And then at the end, when he took over as coach, he thought he could, you know, he still talked to me that way because he was the head coach. And I lost, you know, I, I'm, and so... It put me in a great position to play with the Lakers, but, you know, at the end of the day, you, I wish I would have handled it differently, but three championships laid with the Lakers, who really cares, right? Straight <laughs> up. Right. Hey, Straight hey, up. hey. I'll trade that any day. <laughs> True story. Hey, be- before before we move to the Lakers, I got to ask because, you know, this, this, this is something that I hear a lot of banter about. The two titles you won back-to-back in Houston. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. I just recently heard Kenny saying that he thinks they still would have happened if if, if MJ would not have retired. Yes, I I don't agree with him. Do you? I, I you part of that team? Do you yes. feel? I I feel like I know what you're gonna say, but you feel like if MJ don't walk if MJ don't walk away in '93, y'all still gonna win them two championships? Uh, we're gonna win those two championships because we oh. had dreams. And people, people, I want you to look back. Everybody says, okay, the Bulls went out and revamped that team. They got Kukos. They got Rodman. They got Jason Kapp. I mean, they, they, got, they got all these guys to make them better because they just got beat by Orlando. They were, you know, everybody would say, well, MJ wasn't in shape. He already played 40 games. He was in shape. He just dropped 55 points against the Knicks. He was in shape. You know, he just got by, beat by a faster, younger team. And you go back and you look – Look at a team, you know, I don't, if would MJ have gotten past the Knicks first, people don't respect that Knicks team. That team, oh my goodness, Mason, you know, uh, Oakley, they were a beast. And, and don't they, don't think John Starks were no punk. He went at MJ like an MJ would win at him. And so I don't, I don't know, would he have gotten out the East? People always want to talk about us. Would he have gotten past the Knicks first? If he would have got to us, he wouldn't have got past us because I, this is what I tell people I played for Phil. I know how field coaches. I know he thinks the triangle is the best offense ever. We ran the triangle in Houston and just didn't know it. We just didn't call the triangle. We call it 15, get the ball to dream and get out of the way. And so if you look back at the matchups, at they, those teams, and you go back to the regular season, even go back to the regular season, we beat them in the regular season on a consistent basis. So for them to sit there and say the Bulls would have won, no. And who – what what franchise outside of the Boston Celtics, and they only play like what forty games a year, would have played eighty two games a year and won eight championships in a row? Negative. You know your body gets so, tired. Listen, this this the only thing. Me being born and bred from the crib, I, watching it, you see behind me. I got the first and last behind me right <laughs> now. That. You feel me? So I I, I I I would be remiss if I didn't say this. Mm-hmm. I'm just the way I felt and the way many of us Chicagoans felt. 
if Michael was lacing them up for, from from the time where he broke down the door in one in ninety one, if we had the year that you talking about where we lost to the Magic, as soon as Mike announced he was coming back to play the Pacers, the whole city said we the champs again. That's how entitled. That's how much we knew. Yeah. Because and I'm telling you, I feel what you're saying. You saying they didn't have this, they didn't say that. But I'm telling you, I know I speak for many Chicagoans like me. If we had Mike and Scotty, nothing else mattered. Mm-hmm. We was gonna figure it out, no matter. I mean, because the truth of the matter is, them six ones we won. That was what it was. As long as we had Mike and Scotty, it was gonna happen yeah. for a full season. Like I feel you, we, we didn't have him for the full, and you know that could be argued about whatever, whether he was tired or whatever, whatever. I don't know, but I'm just saying, Chicagoans. <laughs> once he won in '91, yeah. we knew it. We, it was over. Hey, oh, Mike, Mike, Mike Scott. We champs again. That's why we even in '98 when everybody talking that crap, we still to this day. It's it's Jerry Reinsdorf and Jerry Crossing them fault. We could have got another one and however many of us. If Mike wanted to come back, until Mike said he walked away, you can't tell none of us that he wasn't going to win until you walked out. Yeah. <laughs> we would have had to see it. It's one of the things you got to see it to believe. I, I, and I guarantee you, a couple of years back, when Miami got LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, you just said they're going to win like four in a row. Yeah. You just said that, right? All yeah. right. So, <laughs> and you would have told me with Carmelo, Gary Payton, Shaq, and Kobe, they'll be Detroit. Yeah. So there you go. You can't you can't say because you got the best out there that the best product is gonna be on the floor. Because who knows? You get a hot shoot. Look at game four, Clyde and Dream both have 40 against Utah. You never know. You you got people people understand Bernie. Everybody talks about Clyde. Everybody's like oh, Clyde. Like we saw what Clyde gonna do against MJ in the finals. And you saw that That's when he was the proof in the pudding. You saw that when he was a Okay, where was that? It's it's it's, it's Michael. And it's class. I'm not saying they're the same like level this. by far. I'm not saying yeah. they're the same level. Way but, like this. But what I'm saying is because you got to understand, Clyde was the best player on that Portland team, so there's a lot of pressure. And now he comes to Houston. He ain't got no pressure on him. All the pressure falls on that big Nigerian down there that nobody can stop. That you vote until he play and, until he played that black cat in the finals, then he got all the pressure because you 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 mano hey, mano and that hey, Nigerian dream, can't dream help. He feels you. no pressure, man. He feels no pressure. No, I ain't talking about Dream ain't got that pressure. I'm talking about Clyde when he <laughs> it's it's like Hakeem and Mike ain't matching up. Hey, but I'm, I'm saying though, let me ask you this question. Whoever was who was gonna guard Dream? That's going to be a problem. I don't care what millennium or what. I'm talking about, I don't care what era you're talking about. The whole point is you, the people, the caliber of guy that's got the guard dream is nowhere near the caliber of the person that's going to guard Mike. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. you're trying to say Clyde's sister is, a, is, is not a, a, a top 50 guy. You forget that. He's a top 50 guy. So you trying oh, no, to I say, say he wasn't? Guy. I didn't say he wasn't a top fifty. No, I was just saying, saying it's, it's Mike and then it's Clyde. Five hundred that's going to be guarding Dream. <laughs> so and 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 Phil's But not what I'm saying, and when you look at those, and, and the, but the the honesty to me is like that don't matter. It didn't matter if it was top five or not. Dream gonna do it, yeah. just like it don't matter if it's top fifty or not. Mike gonna do it. That's what I I'm saying. Watch, it don't you. matter. Like that, nobody about to check Dream in no millennium. He was the man. I ain't trying to don't 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 get those words misconstrued. So basically, what we saying it's gonna it's gonna Mike and, and, and Dream is going to be a wash. So it's going to be up to us, the rest of yeah. us, to try to figure it out. You know, so they're going to cancel each other out. <laughs> Two forty. But we still don't want it though. <laughs> Straight I, up. Hey, you. I I can't expect you to say nothing else. Kenny will be all on your on your on your head top hey, about that. I'd be mad at myself for me to sit up and say we wouldn't want it because you know the thing we did in '95, nobody would ever 
be able to do the things we did in 95, you know? Straight up. Straight up. Well, you get to the Lakers, you got a you got young Kobe. La, La Lane. You got you got Shaq. And these guys haven't won, but you got guys like you and like AC Green, you know, guys who actually won in this yeah. league, trying to get these, see the talent in these young guys, but trying to get them on the championship low. How was that when you first got to the lake and how, how the environment was before Phil got there? Man, it, it, was, it was every man for himself, you know, and we had some talent. Think about it. Nick Van Exel, all-star. Eddie Jones, all-star. All-star. Kobe, all-star. Yeah. You know, Shaq, all-star. It got to a point where, you know, it was like, okay, my turn to score, my turn to score. Okay, you have, and it was like it was no 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 unity there, Ten. I felt like. It was, it was just it was too many cooks in the kitchen, you know, and it, it was just yeah. we had a good team and everybody loved each other, but sometimes you need some 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 specialists. You know, you need someone like Rick Fox is gonna lock you up, you know, you know, throw you on your butt. You need somebody like B Shaw that has a good relationship with with, with with Shaq for the lobs and stuff like that. You got, you know, people like D Fish is just gonna, you know, you know, be the little bulldog and nag you. You need specialists, you know, if you got three, four scoring specials out there, you know, even though Eddie Jones was a good defender, he 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 kind of backed away from certain people, you know, like J.R. Ryder and those yeah. bigger, you know, guards. And so yeah, it, yeah. It, it was it it wasn't a, a, a true team. He had a lot of talent, but it was no camaraderie on the court. Loaded. How was it when you got to the Lakers uh, right before Phil got there and uh, when Shaq and Kobe was there and they was trying to find a success with you and A.C. Green having success in this league already? How was it like navigating them couple of seasons before Phil got there? You know, it, it was it was crazy. You know, when you said the Wild Wild West, you think of this team. You know, we had all-star Nick Van Exel, all-star Eddie Jones, all-star Kobe Bryant, all-star Shaq. We had a lot of talent. But we just weren't able to put it together on the court. You know, it was so many different things that affect us. You know, we had Eldon Campbell. We had all these guys, Rick Fox. and We just had no camaraderie on the court. It, it was just like it was too many good players, and we didn't have any specialists. You know, we need someone to come out and say, okay, I'm going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. And when you got four scores, you know, it's going to take away from someone getting hot. And, 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 you know, you got teams, like you see teams now where, like, look at the Pistons who have four great players, four all-stars, and they was able to do it. But they didn't have to worry about Ben Wallace shooting. You didn't have to eat. Chauncey yeah. ran the show. He shot when he got ready, yeah. but he got made sure Rip and Rasheed got their, yeah. their numbers. Yeah, you had to and worry so, about she wanting to rock all the time. Exactly. So, they, yeah. they, were, they, were, they were a special group, too, yeah, though. They yeah. chemistry and everything was so different you, as well. When you have four all-stars like that, but these were four specialists. You know, Nick could get some assists, but most times, if you had Nick had to go up against a lot of good guards, and Nick was trying to prove his own. He said, I'm trying to make my yeah, mark. Yeah. Eddie Jones trying to make his mark. And, of course, <laughs> that young Kobe Bryant, he was trying to make his <laughs> mark. So it really wasn't a lot of uh, continuity going on on the court. So you, you had to make some changes. And some guys had to, you know, step back and look at themselves and, hey, you know, this ain't this. This is a spot for me. I got to do this if we want to be successful. And, and that's – I think if every guy in the league step back sometimes and what do I need to do to make this team be successful? There'd be a lot more successful teams and, you know, a lot more guys, you know, willing to, you know, lay down their body and, and, and make the team better. When Phil, when Phil got there in 2000, that's when we got drafted. Yeah. <laughs> like when we got drafted and we played against y'all, it was like, we played against everybody, but when we played against y'all, it was like, they can't be beat. Cause like even if we fight enough and have a good game and get the game close, 
Kobe will end this bitch for him and we can't beat him. Like in 2000 when Phil got there and just the, the different type of confidence that Shaq and Kobe had yeah. within they sell, what was that season like to start that, that three-peat off? When you have someone who's coached the GOAT, you, you have someone that had, brings respect. I think Shaq was scared of Phil and respected him so much that he finally got in shape. <laughs> Shaq was in great yeah. shape going into that season. And so, you know, that's why he won MVP. And everybody was like, okay, he coached Michael Jordan. He coached Michael Jordan. If he can coach Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan respects him, we got to come out and, 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 and play up to a certain, uh, certain standard. Standing. And it was, yeah. yeah, and I think due to the fact that they enjoyed them so much and oh, it, it respect the field so much, they enjoyed playing for him. And that was a big deal with all of that because if you have a coach that's respected by the players, you're going to go out and lay your you, you're hard on the line, just like, you know, with Pop. Everybody respects him, so they're going to come out and play hard for him. But he brought a, a, a certain, his quote-unquote, zenfulness to the team. Guys got on board. And it, uh, everybody talks about, the you know, Shaq and Kobe, but the key to that team was Ron Harper. You know, Ron Harper came to that team, and, 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 I, and he, he brought a certain maturity. He brought a, 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 a certain, you know, veteran leadership to that team that we needed. You know, he came and he, he knew the system because he had one championship was on the field and he got everybody in the right position and everybody were like, you know, when Phil would get upset, Hart would do this and tell us what to do to, you know, to bring him back in, back into the fold and tell us what. So Hart doesn't get talked about, but he was a big, big key to our success, not just on the court, but off the court. And he he brought us together. He got us to play on the field. And it, it was it was a great moment for us to, to play on the field because he got – Kobe to understand that Michael Jordan need teammates, so you need teammates. It got Shaq to understand to get in shape and be a dominant force and dunk on everybody. And got everybody else to get in line because nobody wanted to get traded and leave LA because it's a great place to play. So everybody else kind of fell in line. <laughs> like with, with that team, with that team, like let's talk about your 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 role in that team. Like when we played that team, it was like you always hit the 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 best three like the three to put them <laughs> up three or like you don't score you don't do none of this like you always in the game and you always hitting the shot when they when they or making some kind of right. play like to 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 be on a team like that to accept your role to do do the the little small things that people just don't see on no stat sheet to be a part of that team like how was it to how did you get to that to click right right away of, of that team you know for me it was it. I remember being back in Houston where I got plays called for me. You know, I was going from every year I was in Houston, my points went up, my points went up, my points went up. Right. And I was, you know, as as a young guy, you say, okay, this is what I need. Then you get to Houston, you realize, okay, I don't get no plays ran for me. I can either let this bother me, but then you sit back and you look at the situation and you analyze it. You know, at, at the end, at the beginning of the year, every team know if they got a chance to win a championship or not. You know, you know if you got the talent and you see around the league and what they have. And I looked around the league and I'm like, man, ain't nobody as good as us. And we got some talent. We can yeah. win this thing. We got the right pieces because I've been on championship teams and you need certain pieces to be successful. And so as as a player, you said, okay, well, you're going to accept this role and do what's needed for this team. You know, my favorite line to say is I, I don't make the product. I make the product better. I says, I don't, you know, I go on the team. I figure out what's from, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. from going to, you know, when Shaq goes to free throws, going up to talk to him, to making him relax and, you know, say, oh, man, it's free throw, man. Yeah, you missed this. We lose. You know, trying to get his mind off it. 
you know, going over to people like, you know, Kobe and just saying, hey, Kobe, you know, you know, you know, let someone let someone else shoot the ball. You know what I mean? So it's it's just things like that because when you win championships, it brings respect. And I think Phil bought respect and I bought respect and AC bought respect. So those guys kind of listened to us and all along with Harp and they were like, okay, you know, these guys know what they're talking about. They've been to the mountaintop. So uh, for me, it was a process and it was a process for me. It was a process for them. And good thing that we learned that process quick enough to, you know, go to the finals. Did you, uh, did you ever trip off of like, cause, when I play you on the game or something, like I'm starting Robert Ory. I'm not starting AC <laughs> Green or Horace Grant or Samaki Walker. And it's mm-hmm. like, did you ever trip off like, dang, why y'all putting them in front of me and I played the key minutes or so forth on? Did you ever have a problem with, with that? You know, I, I didn't, to be honest. I never did because for me, when I had to watch guys from the bench, guys have tendencies. Guys going to be like, okay. I'm, this is what I'm doing tonight. You know, if you watch most guys, you know a guy's his, his routine. You know what he's doing. If he's hot, he's not how to stop him because we all have the game plans on. You know the, yeah. the, the greatness, but we know their weakness. And so I would sit back and watch and like, okay, he's doing this tonight because he thinks this is working for him. So and AC would beat him up, and then I would come in to finesse. Everybody, <laughs> you know, it was like the two guys, everybody him, it was always beat him up, and I would come in to put the finesse part. <laughs> But it, it was a process, and I, I didn't care because I was playing fourth quarter, who we were counting on, me. And that's all that mattered yeah. to me. If I'm in there at the fourth quarter, and plus I looked at me for that I could be fresh by the end of the game so I could play. Now I had to play all these minutes, you know. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a marathon, you know, so it ain't I see how you do it because so. I used to. I used to be crossing Devin. I used to be crossing Devin George no more. As soon as you get in the game, you sitting on my crossover. I just see your hand right there. I'm like, oh, he's sitting on my crossover there. I'm out here crossing Devin George them ass up, running yeah. up and down court. You get in the game. You, uh, I'm sitting you, on that. You, 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 you have to. You have to be observant when you sit in the bench. You have to learn. You watch. You watch the best players. You watch the guys you might have to guard because you know you got your favorite move. I don't know your favorite move. I'm not a good defender. I need to know your favorite move. Yeah, let me, let me ask you this: When we got to the, we got to the Clippers, Clippers was known to be one of the worst teams ever to <laughs> be assembled in the NBA. And then it was this newfound energy when we got yeah. to the Clippers. What did you think of us as young kids? Because we were the youngest team, we had like high school kids. What did you think of us when we got to LA and we mm-hmm. were playing for the Clippers, trying to make some noise in the city? To be honest, hated you guys because you the, <laughs> you guys started the era of no fear. You know, you had no fear because you wanted to make your mark. You wanted to come out there. You were fast. You were high jump. You was that new hybrid. You was that you could do everything. It wasn't anything you could do. So I remember, and it's like, we got to beat the Clippers there. Cross town rivals. These young bucks will come in with this energy because they're trying to make a name for themselves. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, so I'm like coming off the bench like Shaq and Kobe, get up early so I don't have to play. Because <laughs> so, I don't want to have to go out there and chase these little young guys all over the court. And it's, it's, it's weird because when you come across guys like you guys and, and then you get the dunks and you start doing your stuff, you're like, I hate this. <laughs> 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 but you respect it because right. you, that's one thing you, I always admire about people. You don't fear anybody. You make them fear you. You try to make them fear you. You go at them. And that's what you guys used to do. You was like, y'all didn't fear anybody. Y'all went at someone and said, I'm going to make my name. I'm going to go at you just like you're going to go at me. And, and, and I always had an appreciation. But I'll, in the back, I said, I hate these dudes. 
because you know you're young, you fast, you talk a lot of trash, and it was just you know, it, it, it's Q, you know, you talked a lot of trash on the slide. Nobody ever said that about you. You talked a lot of trash, man. I did. I want pass it, pass it. Y'all, y'all, the first young fellas coming in talking trash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I mean, we beat y'all. We beat y'all that one game. We celebrated like we won the championship. <laughs> Straight up. Uh, we beat y'all. y'all. Oh, no, nah, y'all couldn't tell us shit when we won one of them games against y'all. Any game. And we found Shaq out. We was like, oh, we got him now. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got him now. This this is a question. Like, this is a good question because I argue with folks about this question all the time. And you actually played with both of these guys. Like, I love Dream. Dream is one of my favorite players ever. But I just feel like the prime Shaq, the, the 2000 to 2003 Shaq, I don't see a center can withhold four quarters of that shit. That's like, what I'm picking every time. So, like, Dream no and disrespect. that Lakers Shaq. Like, I know Dream got in his ass in, in, in the 90s, but, like, that Lakers Shaq was, like, I never seen a player like that ever in my life that dominate. And I don't feel like a center, no matter how good you is, won't take four quarters of that shit. MVP Shaq. <laughs> that Shaq was crazy because he had the footwork. In his case, he said the feet work. He had the footwork. He mm-hmm. could do anything on the post. You know, he was dunking him. He was making free throws every now and then. But, you know, he, he was so yeah. he was so dominant in the post. Uh, I remember when he, you know, Sabonis, think about this, Sabonis was the strongest and biggest guy in the NBA. And he was just moving him like he was nothing. And uh, I, I guarantee you if Shaq in 2000, 2004 Shaq would have been the 2001 Shaq, they would have probably won that chance. Ben Wallace wouldn't have been able to handle him. You know, to watch mm, Ben yeah. Wallace play that Shaq then who wasn't in shape, well, I should he was in shape, but not the, the top shape he was back then. I was like, who is this Shaq? You know, who is this guy? But yeah. he was, when he was in shape, man, he was like no other. He was a force. One of my favorite stories, is, and D. Miles is part of this story. He knows it because we, we were fortunate enough to be on the, on, the, on, the, on the good side, on the loving side of the big fella where he embraced us and he looked out for us. So I remember the first time we played, y'all, man. We playing. This was obviously in L.A., on the, but it was on y'all home court. And I'm lining up against him on the free throw. Somebody shooting free throws. And, you know, he's standing there, and I don't think he was expected. Shot came off and missed. I went up and tried to quick tip dunk. You know, I used to get up trying to tip dunk. I'm up there, and I almost got it. And it was like he had, like, a delayed reaction. Like, wait a minute. Just lifted up his arm like this, sent me flying. And he was like, he he helped me up. He was like, you lucky I like you. He was like, I could have. Could have fucked you up right there. He was like, "Don't do that." He was like, "He was like, don't do that again." He was like, "Don't do that again." I was like, "I was like, boy, I was like, did the weight, but it was like, like speaking on his strength, it was like, it was effortless. Just lifted up his arm, like, wait a minute. Once he realized what was happening, I was like, boy, this dude here is a monster. I had never seen nobody that big. Like the, we 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 first met him in pregame. Remember we was in the weight room in the back. Man, came back there. I'm looking at him like, dog, like this ain't real. Man, he. He would dunk on people. He got handles, man. And he he just was a, a guy that 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 was putting the lead on notice. I wanted to ask you a question. We we had the opportunity to do an interview with Kobe uh back yeah, in September. And, yeah. and uh just his energy, the person he he was becoming man. and and just that aura. You had a chance to be with Kobe when he was like young and 
to see him right before he passed the the, the father, the husband, yeah. the, the man he become. Like, just speak up and just touch on that if that's cool with you. Man, yeah. It, it, you know, for me, I had just saw him uh, two weeks before that happened, and we were talking about, you know, basketball, talking about it. And I looked at him and said, dude, I can't believe you coaching. And I can't believe you coaching over there with no emotion. He said, like, I know, right? Yeah. So, you know, it was just, it was just, <laughs> it's just weird to see, you know, when you talk about maturity, this guy matured. He had so many de- different layers. I mean, when he was a rookie, he he was like so energetic, trying to learn, trying to beat everybody, trying to you know go one on one with everybody. Then him learning that he needed his teammates, and then you know you know understanding that you know you can pass on some knowledge. And and I I I, I think every player out there would love to have their older version come back and tap them on the shoulder and tutor them because I would have loved to play with the Kobe Bryant at his, 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 his later years, later, you know, because, later, yeah. you know, when we played with Kobe, he, he was, he was good to me, but he still had that wall up where he didn't really let people in. And I think that had a lot to do with the age gap because when he first got to the Lakers, you know, guys were mad at him because they took the beer out the locker room because he was, you know, 18. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and people forget that after every game. Wow, that I guy. didn't notice that. We used that. to have beer in the locker room because that's what guys used to do. They took it out yeah. because of him. And I think, you know, we would go out after games. Uh, you can't go with this young fella. You can, it kind of separated us. You know, you can only talk on, you know, on the bus for so long in yeah. practice and, I just wish that I took the opportunity, you know, to, you know, talk to him more. I mean, the, one of the moments we had the most fun with he and I was we were going, uh, uh, I forget where we were flying to, but we sat together on the plane and and we got to talk. He was talking about, you know, how much, you know, videotape he watched, you know, you know, he was asking me how how it was to play with Dream, how it was to play with Vernon, and he was he was unbelievable person, man, and and and. He, I, I think if he wouldn't have played basketball, he'd been successful in anything he wanted to be because the kid was. I want to. I want to know if he ever took an IQ test because I think yeah. he was. He's a borderline genius, man. Because yeah. the things he's done in his life, the things he able to accomplish, either he has a twin and he don't sleep, or he got to be yeah. the smartest, one of the smartest people you ever come yeah. across. Because uh, just to sit down and talk to him and, and to get to know him was was a blessing, and you know, and you hate that someone who was building a, a great rep for ladies basketball for his family, you know, had to go out that way, man. It's, I, I remember, I think I was one of those people when, when my, my wife's um, nephew called us and said it happened. Oh, man, stop playing. And uh, I think I even went on the show to do the show at Spectrum, and I still was like, it ain't real, man. This ain't real. Yeah. And because it was just, it was just such a, 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 a devastating event to happen. And, you know, I lost my daughter when she was 17. Now, this woman has lost her daughter and her husband. I, I know she is devastating. And, and, you know, and, for, and people always talk about Vanessa, but, you know, and you always talk about Jellybean and his wife. They, they lost their son, you know, and it's, yeah. it's such a tragic moment for you to lose in, 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 a, in a way like that. You know, it's just, yeah. and, and it goes back to what we said earlier. Yeah, I always think about this. What if he didn't have the means to have a helicopter? You know, we even have this, you know, we do things because we have the means and sometimes that can put us in harm's way. And I, and, and I just wish you would have drove there that day, man. You know, we drove there, yeah. it was Friday drive, you know, we still have him with us to you know, pass on the knowledge because 
I would have loved to have a last dance with Kobe Bryant. You know, and I know they said there's a room that's something out there, but I, I want to see him be in the spot in that words. Michael Jordan's in. Yes, yeah, his work. His so, exactly. Yeah, so exactly. it's, 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 you know, you, I keep saying again, it was, it's just tragic to lose someone with so much potential. I know it's weird to yeah. say the word potential because he has so much potential after basketball. Yeah, so much yeah, even yeah. still. Yes, even yes, still. Yes. Yes. Yeah, his uh, it was just something about him, just knowing how competitive he was when he was playing, and just to just see him now, his energy and what he was doing with the uh, mm-hmm. with the little girls and the women's basketball league, and just the book he was doing, just so much his energy and this was just totally different, you know. Yeah, like you said, it seemed like he can do anything in the world he put his mind to, mm-hmm. and that's what he was doing. But it, it definitely hurt me. Deeply, to yeah, yeah. About him. You know, especially when you just had a conversation because my son loves body armor. And we always just joking about it. I was like, "Dude, what about body armor, man? I'm tired of buying this stuff. I, I got you. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you on the list and send you some every month." I'm like, so you know, it's just things like yeah. that you always remember. You love those joking moments, man. You love all those moments. You get to, you think back and you start crying about it, man, because you you you, you don't realize how important people you come across art to you in your life you know yeah. it might be just for a moment you know especially when you get the chance to win championships with them and share all those you know moments on the court with them and that's that brotherhood of basketball that uh, uh, our fans would never understand yeah. hey so so how was that when y'all went experiencing that the, the first and then going through that three p with that team like watching watching Kobe become kobe and you know shaq have mvps and both of them just become the, the one of the best duos we've ever seen you know, it, it it was it was a process, and and you know everybody always talks about the the the, the rivalry those two had, but they never showed it or presented it in practice, in games, on the bus, in the locker room. It was always respectable of the respectful of the guys in the locker room. So you know, for them guys to come together and and play off one another and and, and do the things they were able to do was incredible because. You know, you got a young Kobe who was just trying to make his mark. He was trying to be the GOAT. You got Shaq who's trying to get a championship and make his reign as the best sitting in the game. So you got these two guys both trying to establish themselves. And but they learn how to work together. They put they put aside, you know, their 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 own personal goals and put the team first. You know, Shaq got his MVP and we were able to dominate. And you know, it was a rotating, you know, power four. And that's why every year I was like this, am I gonna get traded? Am I gonna be here? But it was always the mm-hmm. AC. Then we got Horace, then we got Samaki, you know, the the, the, the power forward door was always, um, you know, a swinging door. And so, but we was, always had that mainstay in, in, in Shaq and Cole, and those guys were able to, you know, coexist and, and do things on the court to make us successful. And, and it was always weird to me when people ask me about the relationship between those two and what happened. I'm like, man. We never saw it. We never, it was always something that popped up in the media, and they were like, "What?" For real? They would come to practice <laughs> and ask us, like, "Well, Kobe said this is my Shaq." Shaq, they were like, "What?" I, man, you know, I mean, one day we got so tired of. It. One day they came and I said, "You know what? Let's trade them both. Let's be done with all this, right?" And so <laughs> and Shaq comes to me, he's like, "Man, you trade me?" You know, you say so, it's amazing how the power of the press. I say something like that. And they wrote it in the press. I'm like, dude, I was only joking when I said it. But they made yeah. it me like, man, we should just trade both of them. I'm like, I was joking. Who wants to trade Shaq and Kobe? And I told Shaq, so where you going to trade? I said, Utah, so you can play a Greg Ostertag. <laughs> so, you know, we had that kind of relationship. But it, it was – those guys were so great to play with. You know, I, I've been very fortunate to play with, you know, some 
great guys, some awesome yeah. guys. But to, you know, to watch Kobe grow into a young, you know, uh, wiry kid trying to learn the game, trying to make his mark to the mature guy who can take over a game and also, you know, draw a defense and get the guys the ball that he know in the right position to score. He was just, you know, an awesome guy to play with. And Shaq, you know, being so dominant, passing it out of, you know, you, I play with some guys that are selfish. But those two guys, they had a right to be selfish, but they weren't yeah. selfish. You know, yeah. people like to talk about Kobe being selfish. I'm like, he was selfish to people who couldn't play. <laughs> oh, he did yeah. people he didn't trust. But hey, he wasn't yeah. selfish to me because he got me to rock plenty of times. Swinging so, that motherfucker right. every time. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's you know, we all been in that situation as a player. When we come down, we look to the corner, and you got JoJo who can't play. You're like, oh, I'm gonna take this because I believe in me more than I believe in JoJo. He ain't and, gonna and hit that, that shot. <laughs> exactly. So you know, those guys understood who they played with. And they brought the best in each other. And they brought the best in their teammates. I couldn't believe the Lakers traded you, like let you go. Like how <laughs> how how did that go down? And man, it's a blessing because you get to them San Antonio yeah. Spurs, a, a blue collar team that want to win. Yeah, for me, it was it was very hurtful because I knew the moment Phil got there. When you hear you know when you hear your names and and, and, and rumbling and rumors all the time, you always like okay, okay. And every year it was like, we need a new power forward. We just want a championship. Oh, we need a new power forward. We just want a championship. Oh, we need, you know, so right. on. <laughs> and, and, and then the, once we lost to San Antonio, it was like, oh, because Tim Duncan, I mean, I'm not even going to lie. I, I feel like David Robinson, when he was guarding Dream, Dream that year, he was pulling out <laughs> stuff that I hadn't seen before. He, he learned my little tricks and he started facing me up where I couldn't like hold him down when I when go to block. So, you know, little tricks you learn in the post. And, we lost, and after we lost to San Antonio, I was like, I'm out of here. I knew I was out of here because they wanted Carmelo so bad. And, mm -hmm. and 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 you know you're out of there when you go to the, the final meeting. You know, you have the exit meetings. Exit when, meeting, yeah. yeah. You know, they, like the year I had that option to opt out, I walk in the exit meeting, they all stand up, hey, Riley, I got a good season, good season. And then the year there was their option, I walk in the exit meeting, have a seat over there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a big as soon as, that, as soon as I walked in that exit meeting, they, nobody got up and, and greeted me. I said, oh, "I'm out of here," you know. Yeah. And it was just—it was just one of those things that you, you, you have know. Because, and and I, I'm like, okay, Carmelo on me. Hell, I would take Carmelo before me, you know. But the thing about it is, would I take Carmelo to fit in with this group? No, because mm -hmm. now Carmelo gets in the way of Kobe. He gets in the way of Shaq, and and me, I draw the defense out of me. Hey, I tell everybody, I said. I'm the best decoy you ever going to have on the court because nobody's going to leave me at the end of the game. You know, so Carmelo, they might leave and say, okay, you can't shoot it from that range. So it, I knew, and it was hurtful because when they let me go, it was like right when all the money had dried up. And so they had the option. So I was like, I was really floundering uh, in the wind. I didn't know yeah. where I was going to go. And then somebody that San Antonio, I don't know who it was, was going to give that uh, veteran exception to dropped out so they said hey you want it i said yes i take it i signed it's think this is what also people don't understand i signed a one-year deal with the spurs had an awful year because when you play for the spurs and that system they had back then uh if you try to play basketball they're gonna look at you like you're crazy because they were so robotic and you know from playing them that they were they were robotic they would do a b methodical. c d methodical. and it was, it was methodical but i wasn't that type of player if i see a back door i'm cutting back door and the whole team was stopping, looking like, like, what are you doing? And so I remember the next year, <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> the next year we got Michael Finley. I told Michael Finley, I said, dude, you got to dumb your game down. He like, what? I said, not in a bad way, but when they say go ABC, go ABC because you mess up the system. And I had to learn that the hard way. So my second year, I, I took way less money in my second year with Spurs because I had such a bad year and I felt that I didn't have a Robert Ory type of year yeah. that I said, you know what? I'm a, I owe you a year. And we won yeah. it in 2005. I said, dude, this is a Robert Ory year. And then they gave me yeah. a, a three-year deal after that. So, How was it like transitioning from, from, from field to pop? It, it, it was about the same. You know, you got, you know, Phil wouldn't really talk to you unless but Pop would come and talk to you, take you to dinner, buy you a glass of wine. He, you know, he loves his, his, his Italians, buy you some gnocchi and all that kind of stuff. Phil would just come <laughs> and, like, you know, talk to you, basketball, all right, read my book, you know, that I gave to you for a Christmas present. How's the family? Good. And then he would move on. Pop would, like, really try to get to know you. I remember when my daughter got sick and we were doing training camp. I left and went home. And then I came back. He was like, what are you doing here? I was like, is she out of the hospital? I'm like, no, get out of here. Get out. I don't want to see your face until she's home and she's 100. And I'm like, what? I'm nice. like, but I'm fine. No, I said, she's, she's, she, he sent me back home. And there's not, I don't think That's there's a dope. coach out there that would do that. You know, I know they're probably out now because of the social media and the aspect that things are out there and people are going to play, you know, the sympathy card and, and make, and make, and, and want people to like them. But he did that before the social media, before anybody knew the things he would do. And it was just a special feeling, you know. It, but the, the common thing that they have is they both love to win. They both want you to play defense. And they both want you to run a system. And it, and nobody is more important from the first guy down to the 12th guy. You might have a different role, but your role is no more important than the guy over here that's pushing you in practice every day, you know, like a Mark Madsen or somebody like that. Yeah. But one of the guys that you played with for the Spurs, I got a chance to play with against him uh, when I came out in the uh, USA International game, and uh, I feel like he's very underrated too. It's Tony Parker. Like, how was yeah. it to play with Tony Parker and see how good that he got the the floater king? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tony is probably one of the quickest guys I've ever played with. He's just, he 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 was so fast, and if so. you watch Tony, he's like his three. My first couple of years there wasn't good. He couldn't shoot the three. He didn't have a mid-range, but boy, for him to be, what, 6'2", and lead the league in points in the paint. Lead the points in the paint. People don't understand that he led the league in points in the paint, and he Several gave his years. He would get in the paint and shoot that floater, man. I'm like, dude. And it wasn't like the floater day where everybody holds up and the up was all pretty. Nah. It was just <laughs> really quick, and it was, it was <laughs> in there. And, and he was, was he worked spin move, pirouette, yes. all type of stuff in that yeah. lane off that pivot. Yeah. The thing that I real say about Tony though, he was he worked hard every day on his shot. I mean, he would be in practice two hours before practice start, after practice working on his shot because he knew that was his weakness. And you have to respect him, but he was cool guy, so amazing to play with. You know, he wasn't the best passer, but he was okay passing. If he would have been a good passer, you, you probably could say he could be up there with like Jason Kidd and Steve Nash, but his passing skills was the only thing that probably kept him from being one of the elite point guards in his league. How was y'all looking when 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 Manu showed up and he he turned out to be as good as he was? Because I can't remember what draft he was in, but he was like a second round pick and yeah. basically was not supposed to be really anything. Stayed overseas for a couple of years. I remember us kind of knowing about him because. 
we uh, we played with his teammate from overseas, Marco Yarick, and him mm-hmm. played on played together in Italy with uh, Rashard Griffith, actually from Chicago. They had been winning like championships over overseas in the Euro League. And so when he came to us, he was telling us like Manu is really good, whatever, whatever. But we didn't, you know, nobody yeah. knew or really didn't know what was going on. What did you you guys think when you got to get a load of him? You know, it's it's funny. You you, you know, we American basketball players can get kind of you know uh, boisterous at times and don't think anybody can play outside of us, right? <laughs> and so I remember when we was with the Lakers and Manu was a rookie. I'm like, he's a thirty year old rookie. I'm like, oh, you know, who is this dude? You know, and so. <laughs> I remember my last game as a Lakers, Manu killed us. You know, he was just, he was, you know, I hate to say this, was, you know, going at Kobe. He wasn't afraid of Kobe. He was, he was left-handed. You know, left-handed guys are hard to stop. You know, Janky. he was getting to the hole, shooting those floaters, you know, doing a Euro step, trying to dunk on people because he had incredible hops. And he was mm-hmm. just a beast. And I'm like, hey, this Manu Jolie kid is pretty good. And then when I got to the Spurs and got to watch him every day, I'm like, he has no fear. It's not a shot he don't think he can make. You know, he can get to the hole. His 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 IQ is is ex- extraordinary. And you you really don't get an appreciation for guys until you see them every day. You can sit back from afar yeah. and admire them, but when you see them up close and you can see it for 82 games and a plus, you're like, man, this guy can go. And that's why I said that about right. Mono. I like he had no fear. I remember one game he went to the hole and got kneed in the thigh and had a bruise like this on his thigh, big knot, you know. And for him, he just said, no, rabbit, I, mean, I got to go. He come out of court limping on one leg and still played. And he just, he had that heart of a champion and he played and he was, Manu was, you know, like you said, underrated, but he, he Bruh, didn't know I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I despise guarding him. I despise it. I'm I'm telling you for all of everything you just said because okay, he's so he, he fast but he's shifty. He's shifty and he always he got that euro I'm going to make my head flop if you tap me and I'm the physical dude so I'm like all right, I'm going to have to put some put some of this strength yeah. on him like as soon as you tap him he he all yeah. of this. He drawing fouls. I'm yelling at the ref. I'm frustrated. Like every time. But like, listen, my year in Phoenix, if it was no San Antonio Spurs, we the champs. They yeah. was out. Y'all was our Achilles heel. But I, I'm talking about, oh, I hate it. It was like, bro, one time Pop didn't play none of them. He said, Timmy, Manu, and, and Tony, and I think, I can't remember it. I want to say either we lost or we barely won. And he was playing a mental game with us. And he just didn't even bring him. Like, y'all don't play tonight. Play. Like, yeah. <laughs> I remember because I got booed like crazy that game. But it, it, it's funny because <laughs> Manu is the first person uh, outside of Sham God to do the Sham God in the game. And I was like, oh, he actually did that at work? You know, he was, I remember. People don't understand. Manu had some crazy. They wasn't handles like crazy. It was crazy, shifty handles. He throw it and come this way. I'm like, ooh. I'm like, Manu, Manu could play, man. He had no fear in, in, in his hops, man. He would dunk on you in a second. He would quick dunk you left hand, really, really fast. Uh, <laughs> that, that, speaking speaking of that game, that game you you check Steve that you didn't try to check him that hard. You just try to stop the break. He just went that hard. Because I, 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 I was like, man, I don't even seem like he tried to check him. It was just like Dude. that hard, but he went so hard. Thank you. Thank you. You know, here's the thing about people. People says, well, you push. I said, dude, when you push somebody, you do this. I went yeah. over and did this. 
You're you know, stopping Steve the break. Nash, yeah, Steve Nash is my rook. If I wanted to hurt Steve, he'd have been on the other side because I could have <laughs> right. did that. You know, I was going. My whole intention to going to that play was get ready to try to take that charge, and I didn't get over in time enough. I said, "Oh well, they're gonna call a foul on me anyway, so he, I'm I'm just gonna brace. <clears throat> you're gonna brace. Yeah. You're gonna take that. You know, because that's." I'm from the '90s. That's how we play. You go in the playoffs. You go feel this <laughs> Straight up, yeah, it, it was know? a whole lot of Snatch did a whole lot of Denzelin on that side. Like, yeah, he all out. I, I even slowed it down. I said, "Watch how he look back for the thing for the." For, and he goes, oh. I'm like, oh. I'm like, really? Hey, first of all, Stevie is one of the <laughs> toughest dudes on the planet. He was. Yes. Not, yes. If, it, if hey. I know Stevie, he was like, "I'm about to put a little milk on this so we can maybe get him thrown out. See if we can get it happening." Yeah, and the funny part is everybody says, hey, when you, you checked him and you and you broke and you broke his nose and I said, dude, first of all, when he cut his nose that time, that that was in Phoenix and he bumped heads with Tony Parker and his, yeah. I mean, he was tough. He was like trying to play in half the skin of his nose on the other side nah, of his face. I seen him kind of yeah. twist his nose back on the on TV. Steve Nash <laughs> is one of the toughest, <laughs> toughest dudes yeah. I've ever played with, period. Yeah, he was, I mean, Steve and I had a lot of funny. You know, Steve and I was rookies together in Phoenix. I mean, he was a, he was my rookie in Phoenix, and we used to we used to be play we used to play one on one at lower gym in Phoenix before game. We'd come to the game and be dog tired because we knew we weren't going in the game because we knew mm-hmm. we was gonna sit on the bench and just chill his rookie year. I'm like, well, you going? I mean, one game they put us in the game. We looked at each other like, what? And so we went out there and we just, <laughs> we just, we practice pick and roll when we do in the lower gym without nobody. Everybody like, that's not the play, but this is our play. Get out of the way. <laughs> right. You, you have big shots from, man, from the 90s to 2000s, like big shots. I'm talking about Western Conference Finals against Supersonics, like against the Rockets, uh, against Sacramento. Out of all them big shots you had, which one, the ones that stick out the most to you that was like, them ones to, for you. Big shot, wow. Bob's favorite big shot. <laughs> I think for me, the first one is not number one, but the first one was like you said against when I was with the Rockets when we were playing in Seattle, like the game seven, and I hit a a, uh, a jumper from the corner to send us an OT. Yeah. You know that shot doesn't get talked about. But for me, on a personal note, you know it's a confidence booster, and it, and it had to go along with that me believing in myself. You know, getting traded and doing all these kind of stuff, but then, at the end. You have to believe in yourself because nobody else will. And it gave me confidence. And then, you know, for me, then go from that. We were playing San Antonio in the Western Conference Finals. And I'm like 0 for 6 in that game. I'm 0 for right. And, you know, Dennis Rodman was leaving me because I, I wasn't knocking any shots down into the game. Yeah. You got to focus. And, you know, right. for me to punk fake the ball to Sam in the corner, Sam was like, man, I wanted to be the, the big star of this game. And then taking <laughs> a dribble in and knocking down that shot and win that game against San Antonio all confidence boosters to get to my favorite of all time was, you know, game, game four against the West conference, Western conference championship against the um, Sacramento Kings, you know, growing up a Laker fan to do that in the, in front of your fans, you know, because all those other shots were done on the road, yeah. you know, to do it in front of your fans. And for me, you know, walking the Staples centers, they, they didn't chant my name that often. It was all Kobe right. Shaq, you know, yeah. and then not be able to knock down that three, in a, in, a, in a pivotal game, you know, that game, you know, if we lose that game, we go down 3-1. We don't know what happened, right? Out that game up 2-2. And the Haddles fans chant my name. You know, that's the only shot that I could see on a replay that gives me goosebumps just watching it. Right, and it's not right. It's not the actual shot. It's the, the camera shot from overhead 
And when all the fans jump up, that, and oh, you know Carlos yeah. the ball boy, right? And Carlos yeah, shoots across yeah. the floor. Run See, straight that, across the floor. Goose, yeah. <laughs> it gives me goosebumps because it, to be down that many points and to do that it at home in a playoff game, you know, that, that's the, the number one shot. Can't be described. You saying that, that's one of my favorite things about, about that moment and about that celebration. The ball boys were celebrating like they play on the team. Yeah. They in the middle, jumping up, <laughs> yelling. Yeah. Like that, that was a live, live moment. So yeah. I, you know, the funny, funny story about that shot, though, it was, it, we were losing, and Mark Masson was like, Rob, we're going to lose this game. I said, dude, I got this. We all right. We're going to win this game. I got this. And after I shot it and turned around, all I could see was Mark saying, you said we were going to win. You said we were going to win. So, you know, and it's, that's just the part, you know, trying to get the confidence in the young fella, you know, so he, if he got in the game, which he knew he wasn't, he would yeah. he, have some confidence that we still going to win. And then I, you, hey, you know, Mark Vassell, yeah. one of the best guys yeah. I ever met. Too funny. <laughs> yeah. Mark was one of the good dudes. And it's funny that you go back to the, my, you know, my other top five is, you know, the shot, shot when, against uh, Detroit when Rasheed leads me. Yeah, I, I, I just saw yeah. that the other day. On yeah. the road again, you know what I mean? It's on, on the road. The road again. For me, I love beating people on the road. And I don't have many pictures in my home, but that's one of the pictures that I have in my home of that shot because I love – watching the facial expressions of everybody in the picture. You got the people, you know, you got all these shots and it's, it's, it's just weird. And and to do that in a situation like that where we need game five, we're up three, two in that series yeah. and, 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 and on the road. And, and you know from playing that team, Detroit, they mm-hmm. want no punk. <laughs> Rasheed. And they fans punk. were, were, yes. were not yes. a punk either. Yes, Rasheed, one of the most underrated players to play this game because yes. you know, they always look at his text. But that dude could play. And for him to Man, leave he, me like that. Big time. Yeah. Defense and, and, and offense. Yes. yes. That shot was great because that, that whole fourth quarter for me was amazing, man. For me to, yeah. you know, have zero points at halftime, talk to myself during halftime, Bruce Bourne look at me like I'm crazy, and then go out there <laughs> and, and just light him up like that. And to light him up with no plays called for me. You know, all those shots I took were shots I just said, F it. You know, I'm going to shoot it because the pop you called mm-hmm. no plays. And I always want to go to pop and actually do. You know I was hot. Why are you running in place? He never ran yeah. in place. I just and you look at every shot I took, it was shots. I, I literally broke the offense and just took the shot because I was feeling that good. <laughs> Straight mm-hmm. up. I, everybody was confident in it. Definitely yeah. was. When you shoot, when yeah. you when you build your rep up like that, like man, that's why I feel like your your career is 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 so unique. It's it's so much for the history. They can't yeah. say Nothing about this NBA without saying Robert Ory's career and what you did and the shots that you to make, man. It's, it's definitely Thank a blessing you. to get a chance to witness some of the stuff you done. One Thank of the things you, I want to talk about that they don't <laughs> talk about, they don't talk about it enough, OG, is how you used to dunk on motherfuckers all the time. <laughs> I remember I you used to dunk on motherfuckers all the time. Yeah. Like, tell me some of your favorite dunk on, some of your favorite oh. bodies you done caught when you done dunked on <laughs> yeah. a couple of people. I think one of my, my favorites is because uh, I just saw it the other day was Game Seven uh, in the finals. I dunked on Patrick for the first two points of Game Seven, and and I didn't notice it till till my son Christian was like, "Dad, you kind of knocked him over." I dunked on him, Pat, kind of stumbled. I was like, "Oh, I did that." Uh-huh. And then also in that series, <laughs> also in that series, Burn threw me an alley from out of bounds, and I, it was when I set plays where I fake like I'm coming out of dream. And come back from the alley by the bounds. Yeah. And I dumped that on Oakley. 
And I just like, oh, in Oakley, and I realized, like, Oakley, dude, I better not be yelling in his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that that was one. But a, 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 another one was um, we were playing the Portland Trailblazers. And, ah, oh, God, I can't think of the guy's name. Uh, oh, Cliff, Clifford Robinson went for the steal. Oh, and I got it. Cliffy. And then I took a bounce to the goal. And um, what's, I can't think of the guy that Shaq hit the ball. Hit, I can't think of that. Sabonis? He jumped. Brad Sabonis. Miller. No, no, the other guy he played with the uh, Knicks too had a white guy, blonde, big nose. Oh, like Dudley, that. Dudley. Yeah, yeah, I think. It was, yeah, so I took a bounce, Chris and I Dudley. turned and dunked on him backwards and backwards. sat on. I, I like, remember okay. that one. Backwards, yeah, that, that was back my, I remember that. that, that, that <laughs> yeah, and one of my other favorites is I, I. I remember Devin George loved this dunk. We were in Minnesota. I drove baseline and kind of shot it, and I saw that I was going to miss it. And so I followed it, and I got my own tip dunk on like uh, on um, my my friend Sean Rooks, who's you know God rest his soul. So I got that tip dunk on him. That's OG. Yeah, so it it was. I had I had a lot of good dunks, man. Oh no, you got a lot of good ones. People don't know that they don't remember you. You got bodies. You got bodies. You got bodies. Oh, oh my goodness! I can't forget this. This is this is one of my favorites too. I forgot about this. You know. As you get older, your kids get to watch you play basketball, right? Uh, my, my son, um, Cameron, was like, Dad, you never dunk anymore. And I said, what? I said, I dunk. He says, I've never seen it. So we playing the Pistons in the finals in that game five. You know, and I'm hot. So I take that dribble, and I go and I do the, the dunk where I dunk on rip, right? I barely get there. So I'm kind of as a dunk because I dunk on rip. And after the game, I'm like, you know, my dad and Cameron was there. And I'm like, you know, I was like, Cameron, did you see Daddy's dunk? He's like, what dunk? I'm like, the, the really good dunk I just got. He's like, no. I looked at my dad. He says, we were in the bathroom. So, oh. <laughs> so one of my favorite dunks is my son missing. It was funny because, you know, I have the guy, a guy named Opie. Opie, um, he does these paintings. And I have a painting for each championship. And in that championship, in each painting he does these things called ghosting. He has the ghosting of the shot I made against Sacramento. He has that dunk that he ghosted in one of my paintings. So, you know. I think for me, that's like one of my top two dunks of all time because I was able to do it in the finals and at an old age. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's, this, it's special when you get past 35, you still dunk. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Straight up. Tell me, tell me, tell me how you guys started with your AAU program and, co- and coaching the young kids. Are <laughs> like you talking about mentoring yeah. the young kids and the youth? Like, how, how did, how did, Robert Ory, Big Shot Bob, get get started into coaching in the youth. Play my current wife. <laughs> Our son was playing on this team, right? And I would watch the team. I'm like, they just playing. They they don't have any continuity. What are they doing? They're a good team, right? So I started, you know, taking a couple of guys on the team and we would go and just work work on some skills, right? And next thing you know, a couple of other players would come. I'm like, I didn't invite y'all. I'm like, oh, we told them that. And then next yeah. thing you know, the whole team is, I'm, I'm running practice with the whole team, like, hold on. And, you know, then the parents say, oh, you know, why don't you just take over the team? And I'm like, listen, I'm a different kind of dude. Uh, I'm going to, hey, I'm going to say some things that they might not want to hear, but they all listen to rap music now. They will hear worse. And so, and I just, you know, I had some great kids, man. They, I, I could tell them to run through a wall, they'll run through a wall. And they were, and the thing I liked best about them, they were smart. They were smart. And I remember I have this one guy on a team named Roman. You know, I watched him go from being scared of contact to telling him, I mean, one time he got hit in the nose, and he's like, I'm not playing him. I said, dude, is it still hurt? Like, no. 
I said, well, you're fine. I said, pain only lasts for a moment, but if you get this win, that's going to make, it's going to hide that pain and you're going to feel better for a lot longer, right? And so, you know, to see his maturation as a player and then being, building that toughness up, you know, and then watching my son, you know, people laugh at me because my son on the team is the best player. And I'm not saying that because he's my son, he's the best player. I ran no plays for him. I said, dude, you got to figure it out. I said, you got to right. talk to your teammates and tell them what, what do you see on the court? I try to make him think the game. I say, do you have a mismatch in the post? Well, go to the post. I said, do you have a mismatch bringing it down? Yes. I said, and so I try to do that with all the teams. I said, get to a position where you think is your strongest position, and, you know, we're going to figure it out to make you strong. But it's fun, man. I really enjoy coaching those guys, and I hate COVID-19 happened. <laughs> now we can't get mm-hmm. in jail. We can't do that because it, it, it's always so satisfying when you see the growth of a player and know that you had a hand in that, you know, a lot of those guys are not going to go to college, but the fact that I had this one guy on a team, his name is D and he's never going to play high school ball, but I used to make him sit by me because the kid was smart. He was like, coach, they're double teaming over here, over that. And I would tell him, I said, dude, you might not be able to play this game, but you can coach this game. Make sure you put yourself in a position to do it because he will literally tell me stuff as a 12-year-old. And I'm like, dude, some yeah. people have that. They have that smarts about it. You know, you can't play yeah. it, but you can coach it. And it's just, it's just great. Uh, and it's always fun to go to these tournaments and, and watch other guys play and learn from them and then say, hey, you saw, we got our butts kicked. What do you, I used to make and say, what do you think we need to work on when we get home? And these guys said, well, coach, we need to be on – every time, we need to be tougher, coach. You know, we need to play better defense. Uh, we got to, you know, pick up, you know, more full-court basketball. And we try. We have a conversation before every practice. You know, it ain't one of these ones just roll the ball. We can work on this. I want to see where their mental is. I want to see what they're thinking because that's one of the things I love about Rudy T. As a coach, when you have, you know, how you have the timeouts now where the coaches will go out there and huddle, talk to other coaches, and come back and give you a game plan. Rudy T. would talk to him and come to us and say, "Hey, what are you guys hearing out there? What do you want to do? What do you feel comfortable with?" And then we would tell them and. We'll go from there. And that's the kind of coach, if, you know, if I have a coach, that's why, because the players have a feel for what's going on in the court. Start, bench, cut. Uh, you got to start <laughs> one, you got to bench one, you got to cut one. Oh, my goodness. Start, bench, cut. Tracy McGrady, Dominique Wilkins, Scotty Pippen. Mm. If I cut Tracy, everybody gonna say that he and had I have a beef because people are that thing that will happen one time when I say you got to get your own. So I can't cut him. So I'm gonna have him come off the bench, and because okay. Scotty thinks the Bulls would have beat us, I'm cutting his ass. <laughs> and I'm starting Dominique. <laughs> oh, he did, OG Scotty, dirty. Oh man, the Bulls ain't beating us. Good job, brother. <laughs> How's it feel, like like you? You played in this league and, and you didn't win the scoring titles. You won like top 10 scoring when you was playing, but you won the most clutch players ever to play this game. For people to recognize you as like, you know, when you put look at that clutch category, they Kobe's, LeBron's, like they saying all these people who won scoring titles and stuff. But out of all them people, that one person there that wasn't winning all the scoring titles is Robert Ory. Like, how does it feel to be mentioned with them people? Oh, man, it feels great because, you know, uh, I, I love the fact that that is mentioned because people who know basketball respects that about me. You know, you got those these people who have this platform through social media. Now, oh, he was a bum. I said, if, if I'm a bum, what does that make you? Because you never made the NBA, right? So 
And they was like, yeah. oh, he never <laughs> oh, averaged over nine points. So like, I said, dude, you know, I did average over nine points. It got to a point in my career where it kind of doing those down. But it, that's beside the point. But for me, to know that, you know, my peers and people who know basketball, you know, call me clutch and call me big shot and all this. You know, I, I always tell people, once you get a nickname, and it's a positive nickname, you, you know, you kind of made it. You know, you, know, you kind of did there something you go. that your mark. You and so made it. For me, I'm a, I, I love it because the fact that I love it is when I go to Vegas, I get to drink for free because everybody, like, every time I run to somebody, yo, man, you want me a you lot of money. You got me so much money. You want me a lot of money. I want my Victory! Victory! So it's funny that, man, but for me, uh, I look back at my career and know that, you know, I left my mark. It might not be an MVP mark. It might not be any uh, personal uh, goals uh, that I had set for myself when you first believe, but I left a mark that I never thought I would leave. You know, being considered one of the most clutch players in this game, a player that nobody want to leave when his last second on the, uh, on the shot clock. So that lets you know I did something that opens a lot of people's eyes and that, you know, that a lot of people can't say because, we know there's a bunch of people out there. We know we're not gonna give them the ball down the clutch because they're gonna, you know, miss it. And they they not they don't have the, they don't have the they don't have the balls to do it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Hey, speak, speaking of like nicknames, like to, like you say, to have a nickname in this league is like like your golden ticket. Mm -hmm. For everybody in the world to call you Big Shot, like, like how, like how much do you love this nickname? Do you love being called this? Like, you know, it's, it's weird, man, because I've always been a humble guy, and but when people call me Big Shot, it's like at first I was kind of trying to shy away from it, but now I realize, like, hmm, I like this name. You know, even my AAU team was called Big Shot. You know, it's it's it's, it's yeah. funny that it, it it you know my wife gets mad at me because she's like. <laughs> You don't do this. You know, you deserve this. You know, I'm like, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not that type of person to, you know, the two old horns. She's like, and then I start breaking down stuff. She don't know. Like, yeah, I was about to, she didn't know I was the first hundred blocks, hundred steals, hundred three. She's like, for real? I said, yeah, yeah, I have an NBA record for steals in the final. And I start giving her all these things. She's yeah. like, see, that's what I'm talking about. So why three pointers in the fourth. All <laughs> so why did I even tell her yeah. that? Even most consecutive. It's like, I'm telling her, she's like, why you see, this way, you need to do this, 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 and this. I'm like, so you added most, you added most to in the pot. Nah. <laughs> I didn't even know it, right? So it's for me, I just, I just wanted to play the game, enjoy the game, and, and have a lot of fun doing it. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. Because that's what we started doing as kids. We play it for the fun of it, you know, because it's so much joy yeah. in it. And I never played it for the accolades. I never played it for to go to the Hall of Fame. I just played it because it was fun. It was a way to get a free education. And that was a way to have a great job that I don't really call a job. Man, OG, man, it's been super, super real, man. We appreciate you. You done gave us way more than enough of your time. We appreciate yeah, the love, man. man. My this pleasure, is just man. a. I am a huge yes, fan sir. of the show and a huge fan of you guys when you played, man. I had a lot of respect for you guys. Now to see what you guys are doing on this platform to let guys get their voices out, man, I appreciate it, man. Hey man, y'all hear that, man? That's 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 straight from the big shot, Robert, <laughs> big shot, Bob Ori, baby. Y'all get it. Rings. That's what I'm talking. Seven times he got one, Seven couple rings. more than Thanos did. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Appreciate you, OG man. It's definitely love, man. Yes, sir. Uh, my pleasure, guys. Much success, y'all. Stay safe out there, man.
theplayerstribune.com.